0: We've talked a lot about Ozempic. There are some other ones on the market. Ozempic is probably the one that's getting the most attention and uh, pretty widely used, or at least rumored to be used in celebrity circles. So has it been something that's maybe made you curious? Well, there might be some really damaging side effects that could cause some pretty serious issues that you might want to know about before you explore this as an option. So let's get into it right now with our guest, who is the lead author and graduate of UBC's experimental medicine program and fourth-year UBC medical student Mohit Sodi. Mohit, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for talking to you.
0: It feels like it was just a few months ago when we would see those Ozempic commercials and the jingle was really catchy and there was a lot of curiosity about what it was about. And now things are a little bit more clear, but still a lot of questions. I'm curious, what prompted you in the first place to really want to look into this a little bit more and see about the, the effects when people are using it for a weight loss drug?
1: Yeah, so I mean, the whole idea came from um, when I was working uh, in the emergency room, and I uh, had a patient who came in who uh, he had unexplained nausea and vomiting. Like this, this poor gentleman was vomiting you know, up to 15 to 20 times a day, oh, and yeah, it was, it was quite an unfortunate story. And we, we couldn't find any real medical reason for why this could be happening to him. And uh, you know, I, I I went back home after seeing him, and uh, you know, I, I did a bit of a lit search myself. And I talked to my supervisor, uh, Dr. Meyer Etmanon, who's a senior author on this study. Um, we've been working together for a long time and did my lit search and I approached him and I said, hey, you know, like I saw this patient say we've you've, you've heard of these anecdotal reports, a lot of news coverage about these things. And I thought, why don't we look at this? So then it just kind of all unraveled from there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so how did you how did you research this how did you try to to really parse out who was using this for the right reasons who was maybe abusing it and and try to find out some answers here what did that look like for you
1: well we have access to uh, it's called the farm database it's a health claims database based out of the usa and we had an act we had access to a random sample of 16 million patients from across the country and uh, in terms of You know, kind of really honing in on who these medications for weight loss as opposed to diabetes. Um, We excluded everyone who had a history of diabetes or was taking any other um, uh, diabetes medication, you know, like metformin, uh, for example. Uh, And then we also uh, ensured that the patients we used had a code, uh, a diagnostic code for obesity, uh, their 90 days Prior to starting the uh, the GLP one agonist, or thirty days after starting the GLP agonist, so that way we could, you know, do our best to try to really tease out who's really using this for weight loss versus diabetes.
0: And, and so, how did the how did those numbers break down? Um,
1: I don't know if the numbers exactly off the top of my head, um, but, but there were people data- that were
0: using this for for a weight loss use specifically, right?
1: Yeah, so um I I if memory recalls correctly. I think we had about 4,000 to 5,000 uh liraglutide users and glutide is also known as Sixenta as a trade name. We had about 600 some odd uh semaglutide users and some glutides ozempic rebelsis um you know all those other popular drugs and uh, we compared it to uh, another weight loss drug that is completely chemically distinct from um, from these uh, medications, which is uh, bupropion naltrexone, which is uh, the trade name is uh, Contrave. So, the, one of the reasons why we don't, uh, you know, why there's more Liraglutide uses as opposed to semaglutide is because our data that we had access to actually ended in tw- uh, the end of 2020. But uh, okay. within, the, yeah, within the last few years, you know, obviously we've seen this massive uptick in the number of people who are using, um, you know, things like Ozempic and Lagovi and Rebelsis to help with weight loss. So that's why that's why those numbers seem a bit small, but right. you know, we just didn't have access to you know to data that you know was within the past like year or so when it really took off.
0: Yeah, and it would be interesting to see if you are planning on researching that, and we can get into that in just a moment because at least anecdotally, it does seem like we're we're certainly talking about it like it's become sort of this mainstream idea to take Ozempic, probably the most popular one, for an exclusive weight loss use and you mentioned that there are some others there's ozempic there's repelsis there's uh, saxenda so when we're looking at all of these and i know they probably work a little bit differently and maybe you can clarify what are they doing to people what are you finding in terms of symptoms was this patient that came in that was that was vomiting 15 times a day was that an outlier or is that more of a commonality
1: well, I mean, each outcome that we looked at has different symptoms, right? Um, so, gastroparesis, the most common um, symptom would be, you know, the significant nausea and vomiting, which is what this particular individual had, right? Um, if you look at something like pancreatitis, for example, you know, someone might present with belly pain or back pain. Uh, or if someone had a bowel obstruction, um, you know, that someone might present with, you know, significant belly pain, bloating, uh, um, constipation, things like that. So, it depends on, depends on which particular outcome you're looking at Um, so those are typically what people would present with with those uh, with those uh, adverse events
0: so I guess what I'm what I'm trying to drive at then is how common are those symptoms if someone is taking one of these medications for weight loss how likely is it that they're going to experience one or more of these
1: Well, I mean, within our cohort itself, um, the incidence, for example, for people using semaglutide who end up being diagnosed with gastroparesis was about 1%. So the absolute risk was not very high, um, but... What's important to think about is when you have millions of people taking these medications, you know that one percent turns into a really big number so for ease of ease of mental mass, if you will, um, you know say there's a million people taking these medications worldwide granted there are probably many many more than that, but just for the just for my mental fast sake um, <laughs> if we if we if we take one percent of one million that's 10,000 people um, who could potentially experience gastroparesis with semaglutide use. And that's just one of them, right? So it's entirely possible that, you know, tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people, you know, are potentially at risk for experiencing these uh, adverse events.
0: And is the risk worth the payoff for those patients that are experiencing these really extreme symptoms? Are they choosing to still stay on these medications just to get their weight down?
1: Yeah I mean that's something to consider right so if you have someone who's taking these medications to help with their diabetes say they have you know you know very very uh you know very bad diabetes you know their hemoglobin a1c is you know 9% or something like that and they're looking to you know lose weight help get some you you know, possible cardioprotective effects or to, uh, you know, to lower their sugar levels. And, you know, those people may be more willing to accept the potential for these adverse events than someone who is essentially looking to shed a few pounds. Um, You know, so that risk-benefit calculus would be, you know, possibly different between those two types of patients.
0: And let's just clarify, we're talking when people are experiencing these symptoms, it's it's those patients that are using these drugs specifically for weight loss. Do these symptoms still appear for someone who's using them for diabetes management, which is what they're ultimately designed to do?
1: um so patients with diabetes naturally um given the nature of the condition are already at increased risk of experiencing these particular side effects Uh, you know so there there's a term called diabetic gastroparesis for example right so people who are already naturally um, have a higher risk of uh, gastroparesis you know theoretically you know if if they took these medications it, it could possibly increase their risk for example right but in our study we excluded everyone with diabetes um so uh, in terms of commenting on you know, whether it happens in people with diabetes or not, it's not entirely too sure. Okay. Um, but uh, based off of our study, um, but the reason we exclude people with diabetes is because we want to look at exactly, you know, to help tease out, you know, um, you know whether these events can happen with people who t- use it for weight loss or otherwise, you know, possibly healthy.
0: Mohit, as we've been having this conversation, you've used the term gastroparesis a few times. Let's just go back and clarify what that is. It sounds like we're talking about stomach paralysis. Is that is that what that means?
1: Yeah, so that's kind of you know how how the mainstream media has uh, you know uh, said what gastroparesis is. So one of the main mechanisms of action of uh, uh, in, uh, sort of uh, GLP-1 agonist is um, delayed gastric emptying so um, that that uh, motility of that of the stomach that I was mentioning earlier um, it kind of slows it down and then it sends satiety signals to the brain making you feel like you're fuller for longer right so yeah. essentially like th- that is what the medication does but however in some patients that transit time of moving food into the stomach can be slowed down so much that it you know, causes you know this um, you know excessive nausea and vomiting. So that's that's kind of what we uh, talk about when we say gastroparesis, that delayed stomach um delayed stomach emptying.
0: So is that something that can then be turned around once you stop taking this medication, or are we talking this is a, a long term way of life for someone who's taken this drug?
1: Um, I can't I can't exactly quote uh, any studies, but I have heard anecdotally that even after people have discontinued these medications, they have experienced. Um, you know, these ongoing symptoms of the nausea and vomiting for quite some time after discontinuing.
0: So what's the takeaway? What do you conclude after doing this research and determining that, yeah, maybe it's 1% and that is, you know, that's a small number, but of a really large sample size, um, it's actually a lot of people. Do you are, you, are you saying that these are something that you want people to stay away from, that you would worry if a patient wants to explore? What do you, what do you conclude?
1: No, I, I, think, I think at the end of the day, um, it's important that, you know, patients um, are, you know, we're, we're all proponents of, uh, you know, informed consent, right? And that goes for any medical intervention. So if you're considering taking these medications for weight loss or any medications for that matter, it's important that you're informed about before you make that decision, right? So if you do want to pursue taking, you know, for example, Ozempic for weight loss, you know, just be aware of, you know, the possible adverse events, you know, have a conversation with your provider, your healthcare provider, and see if, you know, if if you're willing to accept the possibility of those risks. Um, But just be be informed. And obviously, you know, if you do experience any uh, adverse events, make sure you seek medical assistance as needed.
0: Okay, Mohit, thanks so much for your research on this, on something that has become so much more widely accepted and certainly talked about lately. Uh, really appreciate your, your research and you making the time.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much.
0: Of course. That's Mohit Sodhi, lead author and graduate of UBC's experimental medicine program and fourth year UBC medical student talking about Ozempic linked to stomach paralysis in a few cases.